It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. An advocate for the liberty cause for a long time. Uh, Mike Lee, one of your colleagues, introduced an amendment this week uh, to defund these unconstitutional, immoral vaccine mandates. Um, it failed. Uh, there were, you know, four Republican senators who, I don't know, had something to cocktail party to go to or whatever. I mean, if we can't get unity on this, I mean, what future is there for this party moving forward? But the interesting thing is, is that the Democrat governors are finally giving up on some of this stuff. Even D.C., the most Democrat city in the entire country, the mayor put on vaccine passports two weeks ago, put businesses, put restaurants out of business. Well, she's already relinquished it and she's getting rid of it. And the mask mandate's getting ready to go away. I have a bill that I'm going to force a vote on in the next two weeks on getting rid of the masks on airplanes. It's only theater. You can take them off for 15 minutes and breathe air, which then is recirculated to everybody else. There, people are wearing cloth masks, which don't work. How many people wearing an N95? Probably 75% of the people are wearing cloth because the other ones hurt. And the thing is, is I think ultimately the Democrats are going to wake up one day and say, my goodness, everyone hates us now because we're the nanny state. And so it's happening and it's happening in a big way. And some of the Democrats are finally waking up. The science isn't changing, but the polls sure are. All right. Well, that's true. That's Senator Rand Paul, along with our good friend Dan Bongino. Uh, and, uh, at the, and that is good news. No question about it. I don't want to take from the good news, but I have some alarming News. As we watch what's happening in Canada, and basically I think you can distill it to the leadership of Canada, the elected leaders, the members of parliament, uh, the, uh, the, the premier, Justin Trudeau, they don't really care what the people think. They don't really care what you want as a constituent, as a citizen of Canada. And the same thing just happened in this country on Thursday night. There was actually very little press about it. If you watch Newsmax, you heard about it. I watched Fox and saw very little of it. And I have to tell you right now, Fox, the editorial board, the news faction of Fox is still very far to the left. If you listen to Fox News on the radio, you can pick that up. I hope that you understand. They're not on our team. Uh, and so, and they are on the team of the establishment Republicans. Now, there are hosts that vary, like Tucker, uh, Laura Ingram, and a few others, uh, Mark Levin, but the editorial, the people that control the flow of news, like during the day in Fox, uh, what they report, what they don't report, those people that are behind the scenes there are not conservatives. They are really against us in every way. And so you didn't hear it on Fox, as far as I know. I could be wrong about that, but I watched a fair bit of it because I wanted to hear. And I want to tell you what happened. We've been talking about defunding the vaccine mandates now for several days. And 24 million, uh, there were 24 million contacts to Congress as a result of you guys going 
uh, to uh, the, the Align Act and signing. I'm I'm really gratified about that. But uh, the bad news is that uh, leadership in the Senate, Republicans, Mitch McConnell, and I'm going to get into the weeds here. So stay with me. They they didn't they don't really care. They don't really care that people in the military have gotten myocarditis, blood clots, are losing their babies. Uh, that uh, that members people that are working in the medical field are still losing their jobs, that uh, you are like a Nazi Germany territory when you get on a plane to fly. Did you see the little clip of the guy on a Legion airline kicked off the airline because he had a Let's Go Brandon written on his mask? Yeah, so, you know, and if you do anything that those attendants don't want you to do, you're out, buddy. If there's no recourse, you're off this plane. doesn't matter if you're going to a funeral, what your life circumstances, if you don't obey them, uh, whatever they say, I guess eat five peanuts, not two. I'm not sure. There are no limits, it seems, to these powers right now. We are really living through some strange times. But the members of the Senate, the majority, the rulers, the oligarchs, the guys who pose in front of that mic with Mitch McConnell every few nights and talk about all these things they're going to do and all these things they're going to do if they win back the Senate not so much. And I'll give you the story. I'll lay it out. So stay with me. I'll try to make it clear if I can. It started, uh, we started working to get the American people to speak up because we knew that there was a spending bill that had to be passed in order to keep the government open. And Mike Lee, among others, and I'll talk about Mike Lee's amendment first, proposed an amendment that would say, yep, you can go ahead and fund the rest of the government, but you cannot fund those mandates, Biden. You cannot have the money. We are not going to authorize the money. The House, of course, rolled over and played dead because Nancy Pelosi is the leader. Then it went to the Senate. And this is the letter that Mike Lee wrote. It was signed by Mike Lee, Roger Marshall, uh, Rand Paul, Cynthia Loomis, Mike Braun, and Ted Cruz. Just the, just six senators. I think they had two more join them later. And I, if I get those names, I'll, I was, I'll give them a shout out since they finally got on board. Two more people. But here's what the letter says. We have consistently opposed President Biden's federal COVID-19 vaccine mandates, which would force millions of Americans to choose between an unwanted medical procedure and being able to provide for their families. For legal, constitutional, and policy reasons, we remain not only strongly opposed to the mandates, but also firmly convinced that the risk of uh, of inaction on our part is unacceptably high. This is a letter to fellow senators from Mike Lee and these other senators who signed it. As you are likely aware, the OSHA mandate was rescinded shortly after the Supreme Court blocked its enforcement. This is no small victory. Millions of Americans are now free from this unwarranted federal invasion into health care decisions. But for how long? In addition to the lingering harmful uncertainty faced by those subject, subject to the four remaining COVID-19 mandates, specifically those imposing vaccine requirements on medical workers, military personnel, federal employees, and federal contractors, the American people as a whole still face uncertainty as to whether President Biden has abandoned his desire to impose simple requirements on them. We will continue to stand against these mandates until they are discontinued. Um, There's a lot more to it. Frederick Douglass, he ends, Mike Lee ends in this letter by saying, Frederick Douglass correctly observed that the limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. As members of Congress, we must not abdicate our Article I duties in hopes that the judicial branch will rule in favor of the American people, or that if left unaddressed by legislative action, the problem before us will somehow dissipate. 
history will bear record of whether we chose to endure tyranny or oppose it in this pivotal moment. We invite you to stand with us and, and it goes and to, to stop this CR and explicitly defund the implementation enforcement of these mandates. So what happened? I'm going to take you through what happened that night because this was Thursday night and my inbox was filled up with uh, the drama as it unfolded. So Mike Lee, uh, this was uh, sometime during the even, evening, says he's, he tweeted, the G- Senate GOP has a very real chance of defunding these remaining vaccine mandates if every Republican stays for a vote. Uh, and then, as I told you, meanwhile, 24.3 million email were sent to Congress by you and other people, other citizens. Uh, so a little later in the evening, I get this from someone else on the inside fighting this battle on the Hill as they're fighting it in the Senate. This is a war of attrition right now as senators from both parties are blowing out of town for the President's Day break. Senator Lee is still trying to get a vote on the amendment. Lee remains confident, but we need to help right now. Okay, so that's a little later in the evening, and then it unfolds. The Senate is about to vote on vax mandates. If you see this message, it would be a great time to stop and pray that we win this fight. And then a little bit later, Chip Roy tweeted this, any Republican who chooses jet fumes, fundraisers, vacations, fancy trips, or even just going home to their families over standing up for the American people should be shown the door. Stand up now. Defund the VAX mandates. And then... All right, so that's another some kind of a similar thing, and this is from Chip a little later. No, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to save that one. So what happened? What happened was that uh, Jim Emhoff, Lindsey Graham, Richard Burr, North Carolina, Delecto of Utah, all well, they just didn't show up for the vote. They just didn't show up for the vote. And on the um, on the Democratic side, I think they thought John Tester would come over and defund the mandates, but he didn't. <clears throat> he didn't. He he failed. He pulled out at the last minute, so they lost his vote. And so, and then also Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, they allegedly were going to vote to defund the mandates, but they did not. So what happened? Uh, Mike Lee's amendment lost by one vote. And I'm going to tell you more about it in just a second, but bottom line here is we know now that the Senate GOP leadership, that means Mitch McCall and Schumer, they conspired together to make it look as though they were actually going to do something. Schumer allowed them to have this vote and allowed for the uh, allowed them to actually think that they could pass it while McConnell negotiated with these senators to be gone so that uh, at the last minute they didn't have the votes and it lost by one vote. And make no mistake, McConnell was right in the center of that and so was Senate leadership. And to drive that point along, there's a great article by Daniel Horowitz, which we will put on our Getter account at Senate GOP helps codify Biden's mandates by supporting his budget. So uh, he goes on to explain this. Um, You know what? I think I better be careful because I'll get too much in the weeds here. Let's just say there was also a Cruz Amendment. The Lee Amendment lost by one vote. The Cruz Amendment would have blocked school vaccine mandates. It failed by 44 to 49 when Senators Collins and Blunt joined the Democrats. And then, of course, there's the fact that they could not, they have to have 60 votes. This is how I know, please stay with me. They have to have, according to culture, they vote on whether to vote on a bill. So 
when the Republicans voted to vote on the bill, they knew at that point that these four senators were gone. They knew they didn't have the votes. So when they voted to take the vote, they actually knew what they were doing. And let me tell you who did that, because you need to know. Marco Rubio of Florida, Haggerty of Tennessee, Rounds of South Dakota, Capito of West Virginia, Moran of Kansas, Shelby, Alabama, Cassidy, Louisiana, Murkowski, Alaska, Tillis, North Carolina, Cornyn, Texas, Portland, Ohio, Wicker, Mississippi, Blunt, Missouri, Collins, Maine, Hyde-Smith, Mississippi, Kennedy, Louisiana, McConnell, Kentucky. Ultimately, 19 Republicans voted for final passage of the continuing resolution, which passed by 65 to 27. It was the original 17 plus Barrasso and Rounds. And so, and then uh, uh, Daniel goes in to talk about how the time was right. They could have actually defunded, and they chose not to. They, on purpose, did not do that because they didn't want to shut down the government. Heaven knows the government shut down already. As I've said before, the federal workers are not still in their offices working, and so it would have been a blip on the radar. But, uh, but also, I don't think they're so worried about the mandates. As long, you know, they, they're a bunch of really, for the most part, really old men in the Senate, uh, and they've had their uh, their shots or whatever, and so they're as afraid of this as anyone. They don't have, and I even even the younger ones. Uh, it's like a fairy dust. I've often said that. Only that's too kind a word. They all believe, you know, they believe the party line, and so uh, they have failed us terribly. Ultimately, only nine senators signed on to either Chip Roy or Mike Lee's letter calling to defund the mandates. And that was Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz. Cynthia Loomis, Roger Marshall, Mike Braun, James Lankford, and Jim, James Rich, and Kevin Kramer. Those were the add-ons. Lankford, Rich, and Kramer. Even with Republicans hopelessly in the minority in the House, nearly a quarter of them voted to advance the current CR. So in other words, in the House, even though they couldn't pass it because they don't have the majority, a quarter of the Republicans voted with Nancy Pelosi. And uh, guess what? House Leader Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy voted for the bill, too. So I just, I, I'm driving home this point for you uh, that the leadership of the Republican Party is corrupt. They're corrupt and they're not trustworthy. And we have to get them out, by the way. I've said that before. There will be another funding bill in three weeks. And you can bet, take it to the bank, that I'll be discussing with you what we're going to do next. We need to triple, quadruple our numbers of contacting Congress, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later. But coming up next, we'll go up to Canada, and Fred Jackson, the head of our news department, who is a Vancouverin, is going to be joining us to talk about the latest. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Evan Ryan, White House Cabinet Secretary. She's the primary liaison between the President of the United States and the Cabinet Department and agencies. Ephesians 4.25 reminds us of the importance of honest communication. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Right now, with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Evan Ryan in her role as White House Cabinet Secretary. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stearns. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Educators in Langley, Virginia are angry, angry their propaganda campaign has been exposed, angry that parents are fighting back. And now the educators are back on offense. In recent days, parents have been exposing some of the pornographic books that have been smuggled into public school libraries, material that has no business being in front of underage eyeballs. So defiant librarians have pushed back, not only refusing to remove the books, but actually promoting the books. At Langley High School, the librarian set up a display featuring many of the books that have caused controversy. There was also a big sign on the display, stuff some adults don't want you to read. School leaders apologized once word of the display leaked to local reporters, but it was more than just a poor act of judgment. It was a thumb in the eye of every parent in the district and a reminder that for eight hours a day they control everything your child is exposed to. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. just a little bit of the sound of in Ottawa on the, over the weekend uh, when Justin Trudeau ordered the police in to remove uh, the protesters, not just, of course, the truckers, but all of the people. Uh, they threatened to uh, euthanize their dogs if they didn't uh, leave Ottawa. 
Uh, they are taking away their resources, their money. Uh, one of the, the protesters, I'll, if, when I get to it, I'll, I'll find it for you and read it to him. He said he's been, his bank account personal has been closed. His um, credit cards are stopped. Uh, his business account is gone. And he said it's like being banished uh, like, uh, and just um, it's, it's horrific. And I think everyone agrees that it is. And, of course, Canadians are not used to, to their police. You know, we have a lot more violence in this country. We have, uh, for a lot of reasons, we have some very violent cities. Uh, and our police carry guns. But the Canadians, I don't think, are used to having their police act against their people the way they did on Saturday. Here's some audio from, they sent in uh, m- mounted police. And uh, this is the audio of a woman who was in, like, a, a wheelchair. It's a mobile vehicle for disabled people. And... Uh, she and another guy are trampled by horses. Listen to the sound of as it was happening. Clip five. Hold Here comes the horses. Hard to listen to, very hard to listen to. And then another report, and I'll play this last one before I introduce our special guest today. Tammy Giuliani, I think, owns, I'm not sure, she's, there's a coffee shop and a gelato shop that I know about. I'm not sure which shop she has. Uh, but uh, she and others who supported the truckers while they were uh, occupying, whatever, while they were there on the streets of Ottawa, are being now arrested in the same way. There are stores being shut down. Uh, stop being confiscated. This is Tammy Giuliani describing what's happening. Clip 14. We have been called uh, terrorists for the first 60, 36 hours. We were inundated with hatred, with threats of violence. Um, people threatened our team on the phone, telling them we're coming to get you. We're going to throw bricks through your window. You'll pay for this, you Nazi supporter. Our uh, rural shop out in Merrickville, Ontario, someone draped a large bed sheet over our sign. I'm sorry. It's been it's been a tough few days, and I, you know, and uh, the sign read, "Tammy supports terrorists." Yeah. So that's just a little taste of what's happening north of the border in Canada. Canada. I've never seen anything like this in Canada. Have you? Over 170 arrests in Ottawa. Uh, they are shutting down bank accounts, closing off the credit cards, de- you know, non-personing anyone involved. Even people that gave uh, as little as $25 to the protesters in Canada are under tremendous attack. Well, probably uh, there's no one following this more closely than the head of our news department, AFR News, which is just phenomenal. You hear it every day, top of the hour. It is a source of news that you can trust. And uh, Fred Jackson came to us from Vancouver. He was with Canadian Broadcasting Company, and now he is the head of our news division. Fred, thanks for joining me this morning. 
You're welcome, Sandy. Yeah, uh, violent protesters singing O Canada, having barbecues, um, kind of a, and and this was described initially by some of the mainstream media there in Ottawa. Uh, there were festivals. Uh, they had music concerts. Bouncy. Um, they had bouncy houses for the kids. Bouncy houses for the kids. They were sharing food with the homeless. Yeah, real violent bunch up there. Real violent bunch. Fred, before I talk, I'm going to ask some personal questions as a Canadian. Mm. But what's happened? I, yesterday is kind of a blur for me. I mean, I, I listen. I spent hours studying, but I never did really see what happened yesterday. I know they cleared out Ottawa on Saturday for the most part, as far as I know. They've cleared out everyone. They towed the trucks. They broke the windows of the trucks. Yeah, you know, not all of them, but many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What can you say about what happened Saturday and Sunday? Uh, what actions by the police? Well, uh, what happened basically after Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, evoked the Emergencies Act, uh, the plan that was put in place was to bring in police, RCMP, uh, police officers from various cities across the country. So they descended on Ottawa last Thursday. And then on Friday, they began to implement what I would call the first kind of soft approach to everything. Uh, they put some leaflets out, the police did, uh, that you must do this, must do this, must do this. And then what happened later on Friday, they dismissed Parliament. They didn't want Parliament to meet. But Saturday is when they really moved in. Uh, they had their horses. They had their police with batons. And they started to push back the crowd. They began to arrest people. Over 200 people arrested in that 48-hour period. About 100 vehicles were towed. Uh, most of them, uh, the mayor of Ottawa says he's going to plan to keep those vehicles and sell them so they won't get those vehicles back. Many of those vehicles, of course, $100,000 for some of these trucks. Uh, and then what has happened since all of that yesterday, in Parliament, they began to debate Now, what's happening there is that the Conservative Party, that's the capital C Conservative Party there in Canada, the official opposition, they started a debate uh, aimed at basically putting an end to the Emergencies Act. And that debate will continue today, likely be voted on tonight. Okay, so that, of course, requires a follow-up for a couple of things. They shut down Parliament on Friday. Yes. And that was the day before they were going to go in with all these police. Mm. And uh, doesn't that seem suspicious to you? Like, why why would they do that, Fred? Well, especially given the tone of the protest, as if these people were going to come in and uh, storm the Parliament buildings. There was never any plan to do this. Listen, uh, I agree with those who have assessed things this way. Trudeau brought this on himself by evoking the Emergencies Act. And it's because of his globalist, socialist, some would say communist viewpoints, that anybody who has an opposing view to this man, because he is so arrogant, that he is going to punish. So uh, that's where this was. He could have met with these people. The opposition leaders were telling him from day one of this protest, just meet with them Discuss what they are asking. And let's go back, Sandy, to the very beginning of this. It started with these truckers when Trudeau, back in January, brought in this edict that Canadian truckers returning from the United States with their load of fruit from California or Florida, whatever the case may be, 
that they had to show that they were vaccinated. If they were not vaccinated, if they had made that choice themselves, they were were going to have to quarantine for two weeks. In other words, just pull their 18-wheeler over and stay there for two weeks. Well, that's ridiculous. And I think uh, that edict came at a time when people, other provincial leaders across the country, premiers across the country were saying, we don't need these mandates anymore. This is, this is silly. And as many of the truckers said, we sit in the cab of our trucks. We pick up a load. We don't even see the people loading. We drive to the border uh, and we deliver a product to a warehouse somewhere. We don't even see those people because those people unload. We just sit in our cab and we have paperwork. That's it. We don't come in contact with anybody. Why are you doing this, Prime Minister Trudeau? That ignited the truckers' uh, dispute, which started in British Columbia, and then it just grew and grew. And the, it, it acted as kind of a catalyst, Sandy, for across the country. And you, I know many people listening have, have seen the pictures as this convoy started out in British Columbia, in Vancouver, and then moved east through Alberta, through Saskatchewan, through Manitoba, and on into Ontario. There were thousands of Canadians came out in yeah. sub-zero temperatures... Uh-huh. There they were. They were out there waving their Canadian flags. They, they said, it's time. We want our freedom back. We want our freedom back. That's what this was all about. But you know what? Prime Minister Trudeau does not want to get them their freedom back. No. Uh, well, wow. Understatement of the century. And uh, I would say, I, th- I think you would agree with this, that what began as a concern for them personally as truckers mm-hmm. was then very apparently more just de- taking away the mandates for Canadian citizens, uh, the mandates of their children and for businesses. It was not just about the truckers. Uh, wouldn't you agree with that, Fred? Oh, absolutely. Because uh, my daughter got me a, a coffee cup in the midst of all of this, this protest. It has a little Canadian flag on it. I don't know if you've seen this. But on the coffee cup, it says, proud member of a small fringe minority with unacceptable views. <laughs> now... Now, the My pr- husband told me about that. He said he wanted you to send him one, Fred. <laughs> yes. Now, the, the the part that's quoting the prime minister is small fringe minority with yeah. unacceptable yeah. views, Sandy. Oh, I know. Not not with unacceptable actions, not with unacceptable protests, unacceptable mm-hmm. views. In other words, free speech does not belong to you if you disagree with this prime minister. Yeah, it, it is, it's absolutely stunning. But here's the thing I don't understand that maybe you can explain, Fred. Uh, the the conservative, and as you say, it's not conservative like we are here, but I mean, people <laughs> like conservative like uh, Mitch McConnell and the establishment Republicans. But um, conservative party still, uh, Candace Bergen, who's I think a deputy uh, leader in that organization and others. Yes. I heard them make, we played on the air here, impassioned speeches on the floor, fights with Trudeau and fights with his ministers, just impassioned. So uh, they have what, as I understand it, 15 days to reject this emergency order by Trudeau. It's probably not 15 now, but mm-hmm. what do you, do you have any insight into what to expect from them? Well, uh, yes, Candace Bergen, she's just a real firecracker. She is the interim leader of the conservative. They just voted out their the one that was uh, that took the Conservative Party through the last election, they voted him out. Candace Bergen is the temporary. I think the guy who's going to be the next head of the Conservative Party is Pierre Poliev. Uh, French name, but he's from Alberta. Here's what's happening right now. This debate is on. 
Uh, they have multiple parties in Canada. There's the Capital C Conservative Party, the Liberal Party, Capital L Liberal Party, which Trudeau is, is head of. But they have the New Democratic Party. They have the Parti Québécois. And they may even have, I think, one or two more, Green Party, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what has to happen. Uh, the Conservatives are in the minority. But Trudeau got in with only 33% of the vote in the last election. So it's a minority government. If the Conservatives can convince some members of the NDP, the New Democratic Party, to vote with them, they can pass this. There are some even liberal backbenchers who say Trudeau went over the line with his language and certainly evoking these emergencies act. We need to remind people this is an act that came in many years ago. It has never been used before. Trudeau didn't use it. There was a there was a huge pipeline protest, extremely violent, just a few days ago out in British Columbia. Trudeau didn't say a word. There were people. There were people coming after the workers in this pipeline with axes, smashing windows, hitting vehicles, causing millions of dollars worth of damage to this pipeline that's being built to Alberta. But Trudeau didn't say a word about that. So what has to happen is it, the the my um, at least one minority party has to join the Conservatives in this, and maybe some of the members of the Liberal Party to put an end to this right now. You know, ironically, I don't know if you saw that, but the New York Times actually came out with an editorial in the last 24 hours condemning Trudeau. Of course. And siding with the truckers. Yes. And uh, they point out the fact that Trudeau, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but there was there were a years worth of protest in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't recall the Farmers. Far, uh, farmers. And he was in favor of the farmers yes. blocking roads in, in, in yes. India. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the New York Times points out that hypocrisy and actually says they sound like conservatives in this editor. They talk about the importance of uh, the free access, the ability to free speech, um, nonviolent free speech, and in a democratic society, how important it is. So, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Fred, uh, what kind of influence the New York Times they have influence on people. That's mm. for sure. They're readers. And um, I don't know if it will translate across uh, the border or not, but let's say we, we only have a minute left here. And then, can you stay with me for the last segment too? Sure. I, I would. I know you kept to you know busily prepare news for the America Family Radio <laughs> News Network, <laughs> but um, tell your guys to do that right now. Because but I <laughs> I have a lot of clips. It'd be interesting to run some of these by you, sure. Fred, sure. and get your get your take on it. One of them happened in Parliament just a few days ago, mm-hmm. and um, we'll pull it up and play it for you and let you just tell us kind of what to expect. And also, I want to know uh, what you think if the Parliament should uh, thumbs down on Trudeau's emergency orders. Uh, what do you would that unring everything unring the bell on everything and so stay tuned too for that answer Fred Jackson the head of our news department is with me this morning and there's so much to say about Canada I had about a ream seriously a paper this morning to read I didn't quite make it through that ream but uh, we're going to hopefully by the time we finish talking here you'll have a good idea of what's happening Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, 
and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. No one likes to suffer difficult circumstances. In this era of easy believism, it's often conveyed, if life isn't always smooth, we're doing something wrong. The scripture teaches us, however, that our Lord often meets fruitful branches with additional pruning. The pruning is not punishment. It's actually to make us even more fruitful. If you're in a rough spot right now, take heart. What may feel like the squeeze to end all squeezes could very well be the Lord's pruning for additional fruitfulness. When the Lord prunes us, He does so for our good. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You know, we fill up our spiritual heritage tours each year several months in advance, so we're letting you know now. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I know a lot of folks make their plans for travel, for vacation and such early in the year, and you have to take off for work and things of that nature. So we're letting you know when our June and September tours are. Just go to our website, spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. There's two tours. There's one to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown, and then there's a separate trip, but they're back-to-back to Washington, D.C., and to George Washington's Mount Vernon. So if you want to go on those tours with us, just go to the website, spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com and check out all the info. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The rot at the core of our nation's disastrous response to the Chinese Communist Party virus is inexorably coming to light. In official Washington, it's known as regulatory capture. Normal Americans would recognize it as appalling corruption. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s runaway bestseller about Dr. Anthony Fauci and recent revelations obtained clandestinely by Project Veritas from a top Food and Drug Administration executive have exposed the incestuous relationship between giant pharmaceutical companies and the FDA and other government agencies. Big Pharma's money has enabled it to crush therapies that might have saved hundreds of thousands of lives in the present pandemic. It has secured emergency use authorizations for inadequately tested experimental gene therapy. And Big Pharma benefited from Fauci's taxpayer subsidies for dangerous gain-of-function research, notably by China's bio-warfare program. Public health and the national interest demand rigorous investigations and a bureaucratic housecleaning. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And for the Prime Minister of Canada, the way he's behaving right now, he's exactly like a tyrant, like a dictator. He's like Ceausescu in Romania. If even you doubt, if you raise doubts about the vaccines, you're outcasted. What's the difference between what he does and what happened under the Inquisition? See, on one side they say, well, we should not believe in God. 
But on the other side, they say, believe in science. We don't have to. Science is not about belief. Science, science is about measurements, conclusions, hypotheses, and arguments. We got to a point right now where even if you say something, if you raise any doubt, you're already considered, you know, as whatever, you know, they label you in very different ways. This is not okay. And I have to tell you, you know, that I, when I saw the protest in Canada, you know, the way the truckers over there <coughs> reacted, you know, I got in touch with some of them, others contacted me, I congratulated them, and I want to use this opportunity to thank them, and I hope this movement for freedom and for rights is spreading all around the world, because at the end of the day, we have to make sure that all these elected officials, they understand that they were elected in those offices to work for the people, not to behave like masters of slaves. Thank you. All right, that was uh, actually a speech given to the EU Parliament in the last few days by Romanian Christian Terras, speaking to the EU Parliament. And trust me, the EU Parliament is uh, not a one warm, fuzzy place <laughs> to make that statement. I want to play one more thing before I ask Fred to join us again. Actually, Fred, I should stop and get your comments on that. Wasn't Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, they understand uh, because they've lived with it. Uh, that gentleman is a Romanian and certainly probably lived through Ceausescu. And uh, there are actually a lot of uh, Romanian immigrants into Canada, one of them being a pastor there in Alberta. You probably have heard his story. Uh, yes. As far as I know, he's still in jail because he went out to try to speak to uh, a convoy rally as it was moving through Alberta. He never got to speak at that rally because he got arrested and he's been kept in solitary confinement there in Alberta. Uh, so uh, that's a Romanian immigrant who knows what's going on, a pastor. He's the one that decided to stay open, keep his church open, and was arrested. He's come down to the States and we've done some stories with him. But uh, yes. the persecution of Christians in Canada is still going on. Those there's about 30 pastors have written a letter uh, to the prime minister warning him what he's doing is basically akin to the Ceausescu's, the Stalins, and uh, what's our, our Chinese leaders. Uh, there is no difference. Uh, it, Trudeau is drunk on power. He's, he's arrogant like his daddy was, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was prime minister for many years. And he is just like his dad. He's extremely arrogant. He will not tolerate anyone who goes against him. And for him to bring in this Emergencies Act, let's remind people, Sandy, that this was brought in to protect the country from terrorism, from terrorism threats. This was a national security. Please, this protest in Ottawa, how in the world was that threatening national security? Having barbecues in the street, having music festivals in the street, having people uh, just enjoy each other's company. That in no way is a national threat, and that's, that's what it comes down to. This was Trudeau deciding, I will not tolerate people who disagree with me. You know, Fred, just a picture, of uh, kind of a visual of this to me. I thought of the two scenes from movies. I thought of that scene uh, in Gladiator, that uh, the final battle between, uh, now I can't think of it, the character, but uh, he's fighting against the, the Caesar. The, the son of Caesar, who's now the acting Caesar. And he's so petulant. I mean, that's part of the last part of the movie and just cannot stand the uh, same way, just like Justin Trudeau, can't stand to be opposed and then ends up cheating to kill the gladiator in the last 
uh, because he cannot stand that the people love him and support him. And then the other scene was that Mel Gibson in Braveheart, where he is uh, his his arch arch enemy is this uh, again petulant kind of well I shouldn't say. Well, let's just say spoiled rich kid. It's, that's the kind of the the, uh, the persona of that, and they are in this battle to the death, and it's this, it's the same kind of personality mm-hmm. I think that we're seeing in Justin Trudeau. Sure. But let's go to the other the thing that you mentioned, and the thing that this gentleman from uh, Romania mentioned, and that is the Christian influence. You know, I'm sure you saw uh, that in the last few days, uh, people were in front of the parliament singing, "A mighty fortress is our God, a yes. bulwark never failing, a yes. helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing." Mm. Uh, you know, uh, the great. I should read the whole verses because they're so uh, powerful about uh, the fight against Satan. And so we see all kinds of. We, there was a Jericho march around the parliament. Uh, they did. They went around like seven times, praying and praying. But seriously, for context, how much of an influence uh, on this freedom movement do you think Christians are having? Or is that just a small element? Do you think it's a significant part or not? You know, before this protest, if if someone had asked me about the spiritual state of, of Canada, and I moved here from Vancouver, had 10 years with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Vancouver, only 3% of the population goes to any church at all. Uh, so uh, across Canada, there's been a bit of a, I would say, a spiritual vacuum for many years. But something has been happening, I think, beneath the radar, as often is the case, that because has governments become more uh, anti-Christian that wants to stamp out, we're seeing it in this country as well, People, you know, governments that want to stamp out Christian influence. We're, we have these uh, two politicians in Finland that are uh, facing jail time for simply quoting Romans chapter 1. People are beginning to understand, whether it's Canada, Finland, or here in the United States, they're beginning to understand that the idea of tolerating points of view, that is being diminished. As Trudeau said, people with unacceptable views are no longer welcome in this country. And that's what this was all about. So I I think uh, we have about 30 pastors who wrote this letter to Trudeau in the last week or so. So they are coming out. There were other pastors who were arrested, by the way, over the last year or so up there. So I think it's kind of like the history of mankind. It's the history of Christianity. When opposition really builds to Christianity, there is something there that it says it's time to take a stand. And I think that's what you're seeing in Canada. That's what prompted them singing that great old hymn uh, in front of the Parliament buildings. They're willing to take a stand, not violently. They're willing to take a stand to let it be known what is driving them. Their belief in a God, a, a God who has created this universe, who has given them rights, free speech rights. And that is being jeopardized by leaders like Trudeau. You know, uh, Jim Garlow, Pastor Jim Garlow, who I'm sure you know, yes, out in California, wrote an interesting piece. When God couldn't find enough bold pastors, he called the truckers. Yes, and then he goes in and it kind of uh, gives a shout out to the few pastors that have done something. Mm-hmm. But and um, so, and then he says, uh, Canadian truckers are being used by God to produce some righteous results, and that's often the truth too, Fred. Uh, God often he'll just find people. He'll find his people somewhere. Yes. You know, he will find people that are faithful to truth and to him. 
somewhere if they're not found in church buildings. And so I think I do agree with Jim. That is what God is doing here. You know, Sandy, <laughs> and I think it's it is a warning to pastors, whether it's in Canada or in this country. I'm sure there are pastors in this country who disagree with what the truckers did up there and maybe disagree with pastors who said, no, I'm not going to shut down my church services. But, you know, they better be careful. And that's why I referred to this case going on with the two Christians in Finland. And I guess we'll find out this week what the verdict is. They could go to prison uh, because they have a law in, F- in Finland, which is what they're being charged with. If, if you say something that insults somebody, you can go to prison. So pastors better understand in this country, you may not support the truckers, but you know what happens next, pastor, is that, you know, someday when you're preaching and somebody doesn't like what you preach, whether it's homosexuality or whatever the case may be, they may come after you. And what's happening, and, and we have to go back to what's going on, the, one of the penalties in Canada is to basically take over your bank account, to shut you down. There's one of the leaders of the trucker protests she is sitting in a jail this morning in Canada. Her bank account has been frozen. She finds out tomorrow whether she can whether she can get out on $5,000 bail. Now, they said 100000 for one of the other leaders who was able to pay that. But she may be in jail a long time. She's married. She's got four kids. So please understand, pastors, if you're listening, it may not be a trucker protest, but it may be your freedom that's on the line next as to what you preach. I've said many times on our programs here in Canada, our conversation right now, Sandy, would likely be forbidden on radio stations in Canada. That's right. Radio and that's station- been the way for like 20 years, Fred. Oh, it, it's been that way for 20 years when, when you know, Focus on the Family had to do a different program for Canada because they couldn't discuss the same things. Yep. Under- yeah, I want to... Under- understand... Uh, that freedom of speech, it, it's treasured in this country, but it's in jeopardy. Believe me. I want to talk about something else before we run out of time. And this was another clip from Parliament. Hmm. I would really be interested. I found this, I think it was kind of obscure. And so I don't know, maybe you've heard it, but perhaps you haven't. And uh, this uh, is just a very fascinating exchange, a little sloppy, but it's, it, you can hear it. This is clip 13. Let's listen. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWF World Economic Forum has, quoted, infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. And I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know he was. I know the, uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the, the the audio is really, really bad, and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I and I and I apologize. I don't know if if the member. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, let's try again. The honourable the, the, the honourable member for Timmins James Bay. Mr. Speaker, that member was promoting open disinformation. That's not debate. We have to call out disinformation. Uh, we'll get into debate again. Uh, the Honourable Member, uh, questions and comments, the Honourable Member for Lambton, Kent, Middlesex. 
All right. So, uh, wow. Now, that was quite a moment. And not before Fred responds, I would remind all of you that Christia Freeland, who was the deputy prime minister and gave that sinister initial shot across the bow how they were going to take over bank accounts, is a governor for the World Economic Forum. Your comments on that, Fred? Yeah, uh, doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, one of our other programs, Understanding the Times, that's heard on the weekend here uh, on American Family Radio, uh, Jan Markell hosts that program. Back a few weeks ago, she played a clip which included various government leaders from around the world. Uh, one of them was uh, Justin Trudeau. And we've heard this before, that the plan is to use this pandemic as a major reset. Trudeau is a globalist. There's, there's, we don't only have a few minutes left. He is a globalist. Him invoking the emergencies act goes to play in what he believes in. He believes there are certain people, elites around the world. And he believes he's one of them that should really have the control right now. It's the pandemic, but this is just a jumping off point. Watch out because they plan to use next. They plan to use uh, what I call global warming. They change it to climate change, but it doesn't matter. It's global warming. They are going to use that next. Uh, Jan had a, uh, Jan Markell had a guest this past weekend talking about what's coming next is they're going to penalize you. If you have a gas operated car, they're going to tax every mile you drive. Uh, There's our our transportation minister, Buttigieg, uh, has all kinds of plans to bring in. You have to have an electric car uh, within a certain number of years. Uh, so this is the kind of thinking that's it's controlling the population. This this is the kind of thinking that Trudeau has. This is the kind of thinking that the world economic bodies want. They want the elite to rule and the rest of us just have to keep quiet or we're going to take away your resources. We're going to get your bank account. You won't be able to exist unless you see the world our way. Yeah. yeah, well, actually, let me read this quote from B.J. Dichter, who's one of the organizers of the Ottawa protest. He said, all of my bank accounts, person and corporate and all of my credit cards have been frozen, mm. as happened to many others. It feels like being banished from the medieval village and left to die. Yeah. And honestly, this is the fight. The fight is now. It's mm. not next week. It's not next month. It's now uh, because this is not going to stop. They will not stop until they have taken over control of each and every one of us. And that's why we talk about this so often. Fred, thank you so much. Fred Jackson, the head of our news department. In fact, as soon as he says goodbye, we'll hear some news. (laughs) Top of the hour. Fred, thanks for your great work. You just bring so much intellect and wit and knowledge to our news department. And I'm so grateful to you. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.